Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. This is episode 65 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and in this show, I'm talking about finding your music teaching tribe. Welcome, wonderful teachers. I'm delighted you've been able to join me for this episode today. We're talking today about this idea of finding your music teaching tribe. And I'm going to explain a bit more about what I mean by that. But first of all, let's just take a look back at what it was like to start teaching, let's say, 15 years ago. That's about when I started, right? So not that long ago, 15 years. Doesn't feel like that long to me. But When I started, everything was completely different. Yes, the internet existed 15 years ago, but I didn't have a connection to anyone who was teaching piano beyond my immediate circle, which is basically just my piano teacher. I didn't have Facebook groups to discuss things in. I didn't know about any blogs at the time. I don't think any existed yet. They may have done, but I certainly didn't know about them. And this is how many of us get going in our own little isolated bubble. And it's how music teaching has run for many, many years, where each teacher is often teaching from their home or in students' homes. So they're disconnected from other teachers and they have no idea what anybody else is doing. Perhaps they went to college and did some pedagogy training. Perhaps they didn't. And either way, they basically have no idea what's happening outside the four walls of their own studio. So they're in this bubble. They don't know if they're doing it right. And a lot of teachers end up with this feeling of imposter syndrome. They still do. But even more so when you're completely isolated and you're not paying attention to the internet and all these, what other teachers are doing and the struggles that they're having. You're so much more likely, therefore, to think that you might be doing things wrong, that other people know things that you don't, that your students are not good enough, that you're not good enough, that you're doing something in the wrong way or that you're missing something that other people know about but you just don't know that you don't know it and so you're constantly questioning yourself at least that's the way a lot of us get started and it's understandable if you'd no connection to other teachers now that all changed for me about seven or eight years ago when I started reading piano teaching blogs and then I started my own piano teaching blog and I connected with teachers more So I stumbled across them online and started to try some ideas from them and gradually found my feet much more so as a teacher 
got a lot more confidence that I was doing things in the best way that I knew how and that I was providing my students with a more comprehensive education than I had been previously. Through my blog and through other people's blogs and eventually through Facebook groups, I started to connect with other teachers as well. Teachers I still know today and I have now met in person some of them and it's been great to have this connection to like-minded teachers, teachers who are trying to do things differently and come up with new ideas and new ways to explore the piano with their students. So finding what I'll call my tribe has made a, a huge difference for me. So what I mean by a music teaching tribe is not that I hesitated using this word actually because I don't mean that everyone is doing the exact same thing. I don't mean that you're all using the same method or that you have the exact same ideas. I'm not talking about a bunch of people who don't challenge each other and exclude people who are outside of the tribe. That's not what I mean at all. But it's about finding a group of people in whatever form that share some common values with you. So for me, that was that I want to teach my students in a way that is well-rounded. And what I mean by well-rounded and what's important to me is that it doesn't just mean that they have scales and that they have reading skills and maybe good technique. It means that they also play by ear. They also know things about playing from lead sheets and they can improvise and they can create their own music. So that's what I mean by well-rounded and people who are in my tribe agree with that. They agree with that definition of what it means to be a well-rounded player, a well-rounded musician. Because to me, it's not just about reading. And the other side of that would be the students who, or the musicians who only learn to improvise or only play by ear. I don't want that either. I want a balance. And a lot of us are seeking that. And I found a lot of you online who are looking for that balance. The other side of my core philosophies is that I believe in making music education inclusive. And that sounds like something that if I said it to anyone, they would say, or pretty much anyone, they would agree with me. They'd say, yes, yes, absolutely. But it means a bit more than that to me. It, mean, it doesn't just mean we're not going to exclude people of certain races or people with special needs. It doesn't just mean that to me. It does mean that, of course. But it also means that I'm going to do my best to spread music to those who don't come from musical backgrounds, whose families didn't study music, who don't come necessarily from wealthy families or families who traditionally would have learned a lot of music. I'm also going to try my best to spread music to students who have different learning styles, special needs, learning differences of any type. So not just that I'm going to attempt to teach students who have ASD or Down syndrome or any other specifically diagnosed special need, right? But that I'm also going to do my best to make my teaching inclusive just to students who aren't that, you know, academic, who don't sit still for very long periods of time. And to students who have parents who have no musical training and are not able to support them in the same way that my parents would have been able to support me with some musical training. Neither of them are amazing musicians or anything, but they, um, my mum had violin lessons and piano lessons growing up. They had a tradition of that being in the family. They 
believed strongly in classical music and took me to many concerts, right? But not every child comes from that background. And a big part of what I try to do through the work I do with parent education and helping teachers to educate parents, the reason I do that is not just to make our lives easier. It's so that our studios can be more inclusive of different types of families. So those are my two core philosophies. That's what's really important to me, giving students a well-rounded education and making music inclusive, making my studio inclusive and helping other teachers to do the same. And all of the stuff I do, the work on improvisation, the work on teaching with games and making theory more creative and composing project, all of that stuff, if you really look at it, comes back to one or both of those two core philosophies. That's what I'm trying to do. And so when I talk about my tribe, I'm talking about people who agree with those statements of what we should be trying to do in music education generally, the direction that we should be trying to move things. I believe those are two of the most important things that we should be trying to achieve to move music education firmly into the 21st century once and for all. So I have found my tribe online. It's given me enormous confidence in what I'm doing and a great sense of community. I absolutely love connecting with teachers online and in person when I can. And there's four things that I think finding your own tribe, whether you agree with my philosophies and you're going to fit in with me or not, there's four things that I think finding your tribe can help you with. So the first one is clarity. And when you have a group of teachers together who do share some things in common, you start to get clarity around things like what your core philosophies are going to be or how you want to run your studio or the policies you want to have. Because you see what other people are doing around you and you see the reasons, the motivations behind what they're doing. And whether you agree with every single one or not, it gives you clarity around what you want to do for your studio. It also gives you a tremendous amount of comfort and eases that imposter syndrome because you can see what other teachers are doing and that, you know, you agree with them on their philosophies or you disagree in certain areas, but you know why people are doing the things that they're doing and why, therefore, you're doing the things that you're doing. And it can give you confidence that you're doing it the right way for you and your students and for your goals as a teacher. It can also give you a feeling of connection and community. And that is so important. A lot of us, overwhelmingly, a huge proportion of us are sole traders working on our own at home or in a commercial space. But it's just us or it's just us and a trainee teacher or something like that. And, you know, people are social beings, even the most introverted of us, of which I count myself one. We do need connection with other people. We need to have a community that we belong to. And, you know, not everyone in our life is going to understand everything about our musical teaching careers. Our spouses or our friends or our family aren't always going to get what we're doing or what we're at. And they're not going to want to talk about it for endless hours about the ins and outs of our approaches to various teaching philosophies, methodologies or our different ideas about our policies or business changes we want to make. So having a community can help you to feel connected to other humans, which is so important. And finally, it can give you a source of inspiration. Because you see what other people are trying you and why they're trying it, 
it can inspire you to try new things. Now, the other side of this, of course, is overwhelm. And I did a previous podcast about avoiding overwhelm. So I'll share a link to that in today's show notes at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 65, because I'm not talking about inspiration to the point of overwhelm. I'm not talking about you just taking every idea on board. But when you do need those sparks of inspiration, because we do need to try new things to keep us motivated, to keep going, to keep getting better as teachers, you have a source to go for for it. So if you agree with my core objectives, my core philosophies, then maybe you belong in my tribe. And the best place to connect with me is to become a Vibrant Music Teaching member. It is a beautiful tribe of people. They're some of my favorite teachers and people on the planet. They are all wonderful and all so supportive of each other. And I love being part of that community. So if you want to sign up, I want to let you know that the price is going up in a couple of weeks. And you're going to want to sign up now before you forget. And then the price has gone up and you're kicking yourself and emailing me and begging for me to give you the previous price. But I just can't do it because it's not fair. So sign up today before you forget about it. It's $19.95 US dollars per month right now. And if you sign up at a certain rate, you keep that rate forever until you cancel, right? So you want to sign up while the price is this low. And while you're getting such an amazing deal, because there is so much inside the VMT site, as well as just being a community and a tribe to give you some support, there are also a huge library of games and videos and courses and tons of other stuff for inspiration. So I'll let you check it out yourself at vmt.ninja. You'll get full info there about what's included. And feel free to email me if you have any questions about what's included in the membership or how it works, or whether it's going to be right for you, I will always let you know if it is not a good fit, if you give me some info about your particular situation. So I'm looking forward to seeing you inside the tribe, inside the community, and I'll chat to you next week. Just a quick reminder, if you're listening to this as it goes live, then there are just a couple of days left still of our five days for five ways to creativize your lessons challenge. The Great Creativity Challenge, super fun with daily videos. You can sign up at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash birthday to get the links to the next live workshops as soon as they go live. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it. And I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July. And you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.